We are on Ksubis Chavzayin Amabez, the very bottom of 27b, 4 in the Archkul Gemara. And this week we will be completing, God willing, the second parak, the second chapter of Ksubis, which is about one quarter of the entire Mesechta, of the entire tractate. So this will be very exciting as we conclude this uh, parak and the next parak, the next chapter, discusses uh, very different, uh, interesting, very different uh, topics. Says the Mishnah, Amar Rabbi Zechariah ben Akatsav. Rabbi Zechariah ben Akatsav said with regards to his wife, who was, uh, they were uh, under, underwent a siege, and the, uh, they were in Yerushalayim, and we mentioned from the last Mishnah that when, they, when the army takes over, so then there's concern that uh, the women in the city were raped. Um, if they're wa- raped, what's the difference? The difference is that they cannot stay married or get married to a Kohen. So the husband says as follows. We said that the relatives are allowed to testify. <coughs> we'll see that the relatives are allowed to testify. However, the husband is not allowed to testify. He says, He basically swears either by this dwelling place, this either means um, referring to the to the base of Migdash, referring to the temple, or it's referring to... Uh, one of the one of the one of the skies in the in the heavenly sphere, uh, but essentially he's taking a, he's taking an oath. He says an oath. He says her hand never left mine. We were always together. Nothing ever happened to her from the moment uh, that they came into Jerusalem till the time that they left. And the truth is, is that if he were to be believed, he doesn't even have to take an oath. We believe. Other relatives and other people, individuals, just as a form of testimony, they can just come to court and testify. They don't, they're not required to take an oath. He takes this oath. Uh, but even so, nevertheless, nevertheless, they say to him, He's not believed. You are not believed with regards to testifying about your spouse. You're not believed. Now, there's an interesting discussion. This person, was he himself a Kohen or was he not a Kohen? So the, the basic understanding is that certainly he was a Kohen. He's testifying and swearing and saying that uh, I'm allowed to stay married to my wife. Nothing happened to her. She was not raped. We're allowed to stay married together. However, there are those who want to say, specifically within Rashi, uh, that no, that we're dealing with a case here where he is not a Kohen. So what's the difference? The difference has nothing to do with him. He's certainly allowed to stay married to his wife. He's permissible to stay married to his wife if his wife wouldn't. Even if something happened that wasn't done willingly, he's allowed to stay married to his wife. But even so, he's not allowed to testify about his wife in a scenario where, let's say, he were to pass away. So then afterwards, based on his testimony, would we allow her to then go ahead and marry a Kohen moving forward? The answer is no. We won't even accept the testimony, even if it has nothing to do with himself. Even if it has to do with some future relationship. After he passes away, he's still not believed because there's a concept called Baal Davar. There's a concept called that if you're testifying about yourself or let's say Ishto Kagufa, your wife is like yourself, so you're not believed about it at all, even if it doesn't have any impact on your marriage because let's say he is not a Kohen, he's a Yisrael. So that itself is a very interesting discussion uh, with regards to the Mishnah where Bizachar ben Akatsav, this person, was he a Kohen or was he not a Kohen? Very important, interesting discussion. Says the Gemara, Tana, it is taught in a brisa, so we have a, we basically have a case here where 
Um, they they have to get divorced. Let's say in a case where you have to get divorced, you cannot stay married. Uh, essentially, in all of these cases where um, she's taken into captivity, where we have this concern that she was raped, in all these cases, uh, essentially, we want to make sure it's, Halacha says that they have to get divorced, but uh, they still have, let's say, they have a family together. It's possible that they have children, and they want to be in close proximity to one another. Uh, so we said that in such a scenario, so that they can, she could have a house for her. There could be a house for her in his courtyard. So they they be essentially right next to each other. They won't be in the same house. They won't live in the same house. But she'll have her own house in his courtyard. And basically, what would happen is that when she would leave, um, when she would leave the house, she would leave before her children, so that she's never alone. Her children are always there. And when she comes in, her, the children would come in first, and then she would come in um, to make sure that there's no problems of yichud. Yichud is the problem that if they're not allowed to have sexual relations with one another, so then. We want to make sure that they are not secluded and that they're not alone. Uh, that itself is a prohibition. You're not allowed to. You're not allowed to be alone. Two people can't be alone if they're not allowed to have. If there's a prohibition for them to have sexual relations with one another, in this case there is a prohibition because uh, they're not allowed to. The Kohen cannot uh, be with his ex-wife. It's not. It's not allowed. Uh, and so uh, we want to make sure that there's no yichud. So we say, you know what? We come up with this compromise and we say they're allowed to live near each other. However, we have to make sure there's no yichud, and so therefore the children will always be in the house. Always. If she leaves, she leaves first. If she comes in, she comes in second. The children come in first. Uh, to make sure that there's no yichud. Just parenthetically, it's interesting that when it comes to the laws of yichud, about being secluded, it really has to be for a certain amount of time. It, it sounds like from here that he, for for a single moment, it sounds like for there wouldn't be a second wouldn't go by where there wasn't somebody else present, where one of, the, one of the other children weren't present. Perhaps it's because there's an added stringency here, because we're being lenient to allow them uh, to live right next to each other. Maybe there's, there's this added stringency that they put upon themselves uh, that uh, there wouldn't be, even be one single moment, one single moment where they were secluded together. Abaye now asks the following question. Okay, so we now came up with this compromise in a case of a shvuya. In a case of where they had to get divorced because his wife was taken into captivity. And out of this concern that uh, she was raped, we say, you have to get divorced. This was not done willingly. Halacha told them they have to get divorced. So in such a scenario, because she was taken into captivity, so therefore we'll be lenient to say that they can live near each other. Abaya wants to know, could we apply this principle in all cases where they, not just uh, not just in a case where she's taken into captivity, but in any case where, let's say, the Kohen divorces his wife, they cannot remarry. A Kohen cannot marry somebody who's divorced. They cannot be with each other. So are they allowed to live right next to each other? Do we say as follows? Do we say that this was limited only to a case of a Shvuya where she was taken into captivity and essentially it was forced upon them by, by the law to get divorced? And so therefore we were lenient to, to say that they could, they could live near each other. Uh, but this wouldn't apply in other cases. In other cases where they just got divorced on their own, we wouldn't let them live near each other out of concern because they're used to being with each other out of this concern that uh, it's different than any other person. They've been living with each other. They've been married together now that they got divorced. So if they live in, in close proximity, so then we're concerned that they'll engage in sexual relations which are prohibited. 
Or do we say that, no, there's no difference, it doesn't matter. It wasn't specifically because it was a case of a shvuya, it wasn't because it was a case where she was taken into captivity. It happens to be any case where the Kohen divorces his wife, it's not a problem for them to live in close proximity. That's the question of Abaye. So the Gemara wants to answer as follows. Tashma, we have the following proof. Titania, because it was taught in a brisa, a brisa from the time period of the Mishnah, says as follows. Hamegaris is ishto lotinase bishchunase. Let's say it's not a Kohen. The first case is where it's not a Kohen. Regular Yisrael, a regular Jew, divorces his wife. Okay, they're, they're allowed to remarry. It's not a problem. But what happens if she then gets married to somebody else? So if she marries somebody else, she's not allowed to live in the same neighborhood as her ex-husband. She's not allowed to live in the same neighborhood because now that she's married and she knows her ex-husband, they've had a, a very serious relationship in the past. There's concern if they live right near one another uh, that maybe she'll commit adultery. Maybe she commit adultery and therefore they're not allowed to live next to each other. And then the next case, moving on to Chafches Amaral 28a1. If he was a Kohen who divorced his wife. So then right away, even before she remarries, gets married to somebody else. Right away, they're, they're not allowed to be with each other because a Kohen cannot be with somebody who's divorced. So then... There too, they're not allowed to live in the same mavoi. They cannot live in close proximity to one another. If it was a small village where they lived, it wasn't, uh, let's say, a shchuna. You have to know what these different terms are. The uh, commentators try to explain which what's a shchuna, what's a neighborhood, what's a mavoi, which one's bigger. That itself is a whole big discussion. But if it was a small village, so then a small village is equivalent to a neighborhood. Uh, it's it's equivalent to a neighborhood. Um, and But the main point here, the main point here is that they are not allowed to live near each other. The exception to the rule is our is our Mishnah's case. It's the case where she was taken into captivity. Jewish law said that they have to get divorced. And so therefore we'll be lenient and say that, okay, you have to get divorced, but you're allowed to live near each other. That's only in a case where we said that they had to get divorced because there was concern that she was raped because she was taken into captivity. But if it was a regular divorce... Just regular divorce done willingly, so then we say they cannot live near each other. Okay. Asks the Gemara, Okay, so they can't live near each other. Well, okay, who's the one that has to get up and leave? They can't live near each other, so who has to get up and leave? Tashma. So let us hear proof from the following Brisa, the Tanya. It's taught in a Brisa, that basically she has to be the one that gets up and leaves. And he does not have to leave because of her, but she has to leave because of him. However, adds the Braisa, However, if she owned, the, it was her house, it was her courtyard, so then he has to leave her. It depends who owns it. If he, if she owns it, so then he has to leave her. So the Gemara wants to know, What happens if they both owned it equally? So then, so then who has to, uh, who has to leave? So the Gemara sort of explains, based on the Brisa that they just quoted, Tashma, what do we have earlier? It said that he nidches mipanav. She has to leave him. She has to leave him. So what's the case? If it's his courtyard, obviously she has to leave him. If it's her courtyard, the end of the Brisa says that he has to leave her. So then certainly if it's his courtyard, she has to leave him. If you can tell me it's her courtyard, but it says in the end, Vatanim haisachatzer shalah hu nidches mipanav. If it's her courtyard, so then certainly 
he has to leave her. So what's the case of this brisa? Elalav ki agavna isn't in the dealing with our case where they both own homes in the courtyard. They both own there. So the Gemara answers no. Dilma to Agir Megar. No, maybe the Bryce is not talking about a situation where they both own, but the situation is where they're both renting. They're both renting, not where they both own. And maybe when they're renting, so then she has to leave him. But perhaps not when they own. If they own, so then it's harder to force her out. That's the suggestion of the Gemara. But the Gemara says, "My Havala." At the end of the day, what's the what's the decision? So the Gemara says, moving on to twenty-eight A two in the article of Gemara Tashma. Hine Hashem mitaltelcha taltela gaver. We have a uh, a pasuk, a verse in Yeshaya that says, "Behold, Hashem will cause you to wander the wandering of a man." till too late gaver That for a man to wander around, it's much harder than for a woman to wander around. Uh, interesting line there. It's uh, it's much uh, it's much harder for a man to wander around, and so therefore we had to pick between the two. We'll say that. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to decide, but we'll say that she has to. She has to find a new home. She has to find a new place. So again, that would not apply if she owns the home. So then he has to leave. But in a situation where they both own, so then she would be the one that that would have to leave. Okay. The Gemara now continues on in its discussion about what happens when a Cohen divorces his wife. What could they do together? What can't they do together? Right away. Right, the moment that they get divorced, they are not allowed to be with each other. They can't get remarried. It's not allowed. Uh, so we have these other additional measures are put into place to make sure that uh, they don't uh, they don't uh, have too much correspondence together uh, because out of this concern that they'll get back together. What happens if while they are married, the Kohen borrowed from his wife money from her father's possessions, and she has to now return it. So what happens? So you need to have, he can't return it to his, to his ex-wife. It would have to go through a shaliach. It would have to go through a messenger um, because we want to make sure that uh, they don't get uh, too close to each other. Similarly, if the two of them were to, let's say, come to court in front of us, Without any sort of intermediary, they just come to court together. So we're we're concerned uh, of this. Uh, why are they coming to court together? So therefore, we don't even attend to them. We don't listen to their court case because we, we're very we're very nervous about this. We don't want this to be happening. Your papa goes even further and he says, "No, Not only that, we even excommunicate them because we see that they're hanging out together. This is not a good thing. They're hanging out together, uh, and so therefore we excommunicate them." Rav Huna says not only do we excommunicate them, but we even give them lashes. Again, this is referring to specifically a case where a Kohen divorces his wife. This is not referring to any case where two people are not allowed to get married, whatever the situation is. They're not allowed to get married. Let's say a mom's It's not referring to that case because in those cases, they never had a very strong relationship in the past. We're talking about specifically here where there's a strong relationship in the past. The two of them were married. And now that they're divorced... So they know each other very well. So out of this concern, we don't want them to, we want to make sure that they're not uh, becoming too much, uh, having too much to do with each other out of this concern that they might get back together again. Okay. Amar Rav Nachman, Tanab Rabasi. So Rav Nachman qualifies this, uh, this idea based on a b'risa 
that says as follows. When do we say this? Uh, that uh, you need to have a shliach, you need to have an intermediary in all these cases. That's only It's only if they got divorced after... Remember, we've always had these two steps into the marriage. One is engagement, a halachic engagement, where they're not living with each other. Uh, it's the giving of the ring. Uh, in the days of the Gemara, this was a year apart. First, they would have the engage, halachic engagement. They're not allowed to be with anybody else, but they also can't be with each other until a year later. They have the nisu and the chuppah, where it's essentially an idea of living under the same roof. So all these laws only apply if they got divorced after they were already living with each other in the same home, because then they're already very much familiar with each other. But if they got divorced during the time of erisin, during the time of engagement, uh, where they weren't even living with each other in the same home, so then. Uh, they do not uh, have to have these added measures put into place. Okay, we have the following story. Ho Aris Varusasa, we're on the second column here of 2882. Ho Aris There is a couple, a Kohen and his wife, uh, who are only halakhically engaged. They don't live in the same home. They're halakhically engaged. They come in front of Rava. Yosef Ravada Brahmasna Kameh. Rav Adar Brahmasta was sitting in front of Rava at the time, Uki Rava Shlucha Bin Tayu, and Rava put in uh, a shaliach. He put an intermediary between the two of them. He made, he made sure that there would be somebody in between the two of them. Avalei Rav Adar Brahmasta, Rav Adar Brahmasta said, I don't understand. We just said, Vam Rav Nachman Tavna Ba'ava Rabasi. This was a, a couple that got divorced. Uh, and I don't understand, but they only got divorced after they were engaged. So why do you, you don't need, we just pointed out from Rav Nachman that you don't need to have a, somebody in between. He said, no, you're right, in general you don't, but I see, I could tell from their body language and from talking to each other that they're very familiar with one another. This was my decision that I decided because I saw that uh, that even though they're only halakhically engaged, but it seems like the two of them were very close with one another, and so therefore we had to put this intermediary in between. Another version, and with this we'll conclude, there are those that say, no, he did not put somebody in between, so Ravada Brahmasna asked, why don't you put somebody in between? And so he answered, Rav Nachman said, you don't have to. He says, doesn't Rav Nachman say if they got divorced after an engagement, not after a marriage, but after a halach engagement, it's not necessary. And so he responded back by saying, it's true, in general, uh, you don't need to have an intermediary. But in this case, we could tell that they're being... They're very familiar with one another. They're interacting closely with one another. And so therefore, we should have an intermediary between the two of them. That really concludes the entire Gemara of that one Mishnah. And in the next class, we will ha- have begin the very last Mishnah of the second parak of the second chapter.